Starting off a brand new week and lots of information here coming off of a very successful State Fair stay in the Husker... I'm sorry. What's going on over here? We're we're playing with the microphones for some reason. I apologize. I I was a last minute fill in, and I'm causing problems. Husker Harvest Days in the crosshairs ahead, and so uh, here we are in kind of this little swing period uh, where we're uh, we don't know whether to look back or look forward. I guess at this point, Uh, I have in front of me Jason and Scott and Jesse to tell us all about what's coming up on today's midday program on the Rural Radio Network. Jesse. Well, catching up from last weekend from State Fair, the twelve thirteen, we found out late on Friday night that the Nebraska Department of Agriculture Director Greg Ibaugh has been nominated for USDA Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Programs. So we will get some audio from Greg at the twelve thirteen about that new nomination for him. For the twelve nineteen, Dewey Nelson is with Lance Burdett. He is the account manager with Water Street Solutions. Their topic today is building a stronger relationship with your lender for the newsmaker i am with the three top three for the elite showmanship competition this competition is something that we co-host with the nebraska department of agriculture the event took place on saturday and so the top three places was fina choate she represented boone county second place went to blank gunther representing cumming county and third place went to jennifer tidwell representing douglas sarpy county so we'll have audio from all three of those top places for the newsmaker and then for the 117 Bryce Duskett is with Brandy Crutes. He's the CEO of U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance. They're having a discussion of food dialogue happening tomorrow on UNL Innovation Campus. And so he will preview that event taking place tomorrow for the 117. Looking forward to all of that. Thank you very much. And over here we have uh, Jason Jorgensen and coming off a very eventful football weekend. And there was a lot going on. Of course, a big story that developed over the weekend was Nebraska defensive coordinator Bob Diaco, who did not show up for a post-game interview following the Huskers' win over Arkansas State. Omaha Lincoln newspapers lit him up pretty good. He, he did not only show up. Yes. He sprinted out of it. I saw him leaving. He was in a hurry. Says it was a miscommunication. Okay. Made some comments yesterday. If you missed those, we'll let you hear. Also, we'll let you hear from a couple of the Huskers who played well on Saturday. They'll need to play better at Oregon on Saturday. Also, Huskers, Brianna Holman was named Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. Also, I need to mention here, in my spot, Mm. someone has left some GQ magazines here in front of me, and no one is claiming these. I I don't know if someone's trying to tell me something or what, but... No, one with Ryan Reynolds on the front and Roger Federer. Don't have the hair for Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> no, so I don't. You're going to pull that one off. <laughs> Absolutely true. I, I don't know. There's, you know, very few ties get worn around here. So maybe that's what they're trying that's to tell true. us. That maybe that's it. Bow tie. Clean it up. Dress, for, dress for the job you want. Right? Dress like Dave that's Terrell. Right. So what is that job for Scott Foster? <laughs> well. Uh, that's a darn good question. I, you could typically I dress down for the job I probably will get. Uh, hey, U.S. stocks are down a little bit right now. Good news, uh, of course. Uh, Congress is coming back after a five-week uh, delay, so we're all very excited about that. I know uh, they're going to be passing some uh, disaster relief coming up, and Lego is laying off fourteen hundred jobs in Lego. Denmark. How can they bump? Okay, well, we'll see what's behind that on Business News. All coming up for you today on Midday.
And for Paul Perkins today, here's a look at your ag weather. I'm Dirk Christensen. Well, slowing Midwest crop development and concern over potential damage from Hurricane Irma to come are the top headlines in our ag news today. The forecast now calling for mostly below normal temperatures in the Midwest along with limited rain now through the end of this week. An absence of any heat stress remains favorable for crops. However, the recent dry areas of the region will be not getting any further benefit of late-season soybean moisture. In addition, a lack of growing degree day accumulation will continue to put crops in a position of needing later recurrence of first frost for full development. Category 5 Hurricane Irma, now in the western Atlantic, is moving toward the Leeward Islands, and current indications would suggest a track over the northeast Caribbean islands, very near to the north coast of the Dominican Republic, and through Haiti, through the islands of the southeast Bahamas, and then very near or over the north coast of Cuba later in the week. The hurricane is expected to bring damaging rain and wind to portions of the southeastern U.S. over the course of the next week to 10 days. But, of course, that track is subject to a lot of change. Southern Plains soil moisture generally favorable ahead of the winter wheat planting. Drier conditions in store for the Delta this week. And that should help crops recover from prior rains associated with the first of the wet late summer period and then Tropical Depression Harvey, although the current thinking is going to keep Irma's rain east of that area, it still bears watching. Generally, conditions for filling and maturing corn and soybeans are in effect over the northern plains. No damaging cold weather expected during the course of the next 10 days in any case. Along the Canadian prairies, mostly favorable conditions for wheat and canola harvest. Late filling canola will benefit from continued warm weather through the weekend. Colder conditions early next week may bring readings down to frost levels, possibly even a light freeze in some areas. However, this could be followed by a warming trend by the end of this week. Crop areas of northeastern China picked up needed rains during the weekend period. The balance of the region, however, was drier. South Asia, the late season to the India monsoon, has brought significant rains to key growing areas of both Pakistan and northwest India over the course of the past week. Heavy rains hit Sindh province in the southwest Pakistan area, and moderate to heavy rains have also hit Punjab and in northeast growing areas of India. Dryness continues to be of increasing concern for the wheat grown in eastern Australia, notably northern New South Wales and southern Queensland now, with wheat in reproductive growth stages likely to be heard at this time. Rain is needed to stabilize those crop prospects on Australia. However, the forecast brings continued dry conditions on through the remainder of this week. Closer to home, upper-level trough currently pushing through the plains, clearing out all that smoke that's been seen from north to south. A cool day despite full sunshine and cool dry air settles in for a couple of days. That pattern will be highly amplified Wednesday with the upper ridge axis of the desert southwest northerly through British Columbia on into Alberta. Then that air mass begins to moderate by Thursday with the upper-level trough migrating toward the east coast. That leaves us with temperatures in the middle 70s for a good portion of the plains for today. Through Wednesday and Thursday, by Friday we break again into the low to middle 80s, and Saturday and Sunday should again see the middle 80s. 
look at agriculture information on the Roll Radio Network. I'm Jesse Harding. A long-awaited announcement will take the Nebraska Director of Agriculture to Washington, D.C. Susan Littlefield has more. Late Friday night, the word came from President Trump that Greg Ibaugh of Nebraska will be Undersecretary for Agriculture for marketing and regulatory programs pending confirmation of the U.S. Senate. I caught up with Greg during the Nebraska State Fair. So I'm very honored to be uh, nominated by um, President Trump to be the Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Programs at USDA. I'm also uh, very appreciative of the support I've received from Secretary Purdue throughout this process. Also, I'm thankful for the recommendations and support I received from uh, Senator Fisher and Congressman Smith. And I look forward to serving if confirmed by the Senate. USDA's Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Programs includes Agricultural Marketing Service, Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service, Grain Inspection, Packers and Stockyards Administration. Governor Ricketts noted that Greg Eyeball will bring broad experience to the new role from his work with Nebraska's Animal and Plant Health Programs as well as the Livestock Disease Traceability Program. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. On the same day, Bill Northey, the Director of Agriculture from Iowa, was also nominated to fill the Farm Production and Conservation Undersecretary at USDA and the National Corn Growers Association. They say, and I quote, Bill is a lifetime friend of the National Corn Growers Association and a passionate advocate for farmers. We congratulate him on his well-deserved appointment, and we urge the Senate to move quickly to confirm him. His roots in production agriculture run deep. He will give farmers and ranchers a senior-level voice on important issues such as risk management and conservation programs, especially as we craft the next farm bill. End of quote. And that coming from National Corn Grower Association President Wesley Spurlock. The Nebraska Lead Group 37 participants have been announced by the program's director and the two-year program will begin in September. The newest members of Nebraska's premier two-year agricultural leadership development program are involved in production agriculture and or agribusiness in Nebraska. Dr. Terry Haney, who announced the name, says, and I quote, We are proud to say that Class 37 appears to be filled with outstanding individuals from throughout the state, and I'm excited to get started with them. Our job will be to prepare and motivate them for future leadership roles in their community, our state, and beyond. End of quote. The full list of names for Class 37 can be found by visiting RollRadio.com. The latest challenge to renegotiating the North American Free Trade Agreement is coming from an unexpected direction, Canada. Vermont's President Donald Trump has pointed the finger at Mexico as a source of the U.S. trade deficits in North America, and U.S. officials are pushing for new provisions in the 23-year-old trade pact that would make it harder for Mexican manufacturers to send goods to the U.S. duty-free. But in the second round of talks, overhauling NAFTA running throughout Tuesday in Mexico City is Canada, that Canada appears to be giving the United States the most difficulty negotiating table, according to people familiar with the new renegotiation. Ottawa has introduced new provisions on labor and the labor and the environment that may struggle to gain traction in Washington, and the Canadian negotiators have balked its supportment from less controversial language that they agree to. That's been a look at agriculture information on the Roll Radio Network. I'm Jesse Harding. 
building a stronger relationship with your lender. That's our topic today with Lance Burdett, Account Manager with Water Street Solutions. Lance, first question, why is this an important area for farm lenders to think about? Well, Dewey, really when it comes to business relationships, uh, your lender relationship is arguably one of the most important. Uh, and whether you've been with your particular lender for five months or 15 years, you and your business owners and partners need to ensure you're building and maintaining good relations at all times. This is really the case whether everything is going along fantastic in the ag economy and within your business, or if it's more on the rockier side like the times of compressed margins that we're seeing today. And really in any kind of a human relationship, honestly, there's generally a certain minimal amount of effort required to keep good relations going. Making sure the relationships continue strong into the future takes an even higher level of thought, effort, and, and really dedication. So here's something to try. Um, and I do this exercise often with, with my clients. It's put yourself in your banker's shoes for a minute. Think about what could make the client-lender relationship even stronger from their perspective. Looking at things from their standpoint or putting yourself in their shoes lets you start to anticipate their needs more readily. You can better imagine the types of questions they might have for you and see what you can do to stand out in a positive way in their eyes. We're talking with Lance Bird at Water Street Solutions. So what else can we do to strengthen this relationship? Well, Dewey, I really see that there are three main areas that come to mind. The first is to bring your banker the details. Be transparent. Bankers overall enjoy numbers. It's a huge part of what they signed up for to do as a career after all. But depending on a farmer's personality and passions, farmers may or may not enjoy ratios or dealing with the financial information um, with the same level of enthusiasm as the banker. So whether you're the type of farmer who enjoys diving into a spreadsheet or not, it's still your responsibility. Ask the farm CEO to bring the banker the kind of information they want, and frankly, they deserve. Many of our farmer clients have enlisted the help of a Water Street Ag Finance Advisor who can help them organize and present your financial information in such a way that bankers really appreciate it. The second point is have a clear plan and communicate it. Bankers also want to hear that you, as the farm's leader, have a business plan for how you'll be successful that particular year and sometimes even beyond. The more specific and forward-looking, the better. Remember your banker's main concern is to make sure you'll be able to pay the bank back. So if your farm happens to be in a tough spot right now, talk with your banker about how you plan to get out of that situation and create a more positive and consistent trend. How you communicate your plan matters as well. The more specific, the better. Lance, you just mentioned two suggestions. What's the third? Well, the third area would be simply keep them in the know. Most bankers don't like surprises. At least they don't like them when it comes to their clients' farm businesses. The best way to prevent an unwelcome surprise for your banker is to be upfront with them about what's going on in your business. If you'd like some help or thoughts on what lenders really want to see, or you can immediately recognize through this conversation that this is not your strength uh, and something that you need, you might want to give an advisor uh, a call here at Water Street. For more information about this or any other subject, go to waterstreet.org or call 866-249-2528. Today we've talked about building a stronger relationship with your lender with Lance Burdett, Account Manager, Water Street Solutions.
You're in tune to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, Nebraska defensive coordinator Bob Diaco did meet with the media yesterday after failing to do so on Saturday night after the Huskers' close victory over Arkansas State. Diaco came under heavy fire from the media for not being available. Now, in that game, Arkansas State passed for more than 400 of its nearly 500 yards in total offense. And while the numbers didn't look good, Diaco said he still saw some positives. But the tackling was strong. The tackling was physical. Um, tackling was sure in most instances. Hopefully you had a chance to see some real poise, some level-headedness out of the players. Nobody got really exacerbated and anxious and too overly excited about, about uh, 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 the ball being pushed a little bit. And you plays at Oregon on Saturday afternoon. Huskers senior middle blocker Brianna Holman has been named the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week after her performance at the Emeritus Players Challenge. Holman led the Huskers to a perfect 3-0 record in the tournament. She posted a 525 hitting percentage in the Huskers' three sweeps and was named the most valuable player of the tournament. This weekend, the Huskers will take on UCLA. Brock Osweiler was so excited to be back in Denver, he swore he would have signed for a dollar played in bare feet, or even been the Broncos' water boy. Of course, that's easy to say when he's getting $16 million this season. All but 775000 of that is being paid for by Cleveland. The Broncos brought back Peyton Manning's longtime backup 18 months after he had bolted to Houston in free agency. Usain Bolt says he has no regrets about retiring and is confident his world records can stand for another 15 to 20 years. The only sprinter to capture the 100 and 200 titles at three consecutive Olympics, Bolt retired last month after the World Championships in London. The U.S. men's and women's quarterfinals are set as the field includes both the number one seeds and a couple of surprises. And led by the largest one-year increase in girls' participation in 16 years, the overall high school sports increased for the 28th consecutive year. That's according to the annual High School Athletic Participation Survey. Based on the figures from the 51-member state high school associations, which includes the District of Columbia, the number of participants in high school sport reached an all-time high of just over 7.9 million participants. That's a check in sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More middays just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Clear skies across Nebraska tonight, lows in the 40s. I'm Dave Schroeder. The Trump administration's decision to wind down a federal program that shields thousands of young immigrants from deportation is drawing a sharp rebuke from Nebraska advocates and business leaders. Advocates for the young immigrants rallied at the Nebraska Capitol today to protest the decision announced earlier. Nebraska's roughly 3,000 immigrants who participate in President Barack Obama's Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program. The program has provided nearly 800,000 young immigrants a reprieve from deportation and the ability to work legally in the U.S. It was designed for youths who were brought into the U.S. illegally as children. Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts and Attorney General Doug Peterson have criticized the law, with Peterson arguing that it's unconstitutional. The Nebraska Department of Ag, a quick cheat sheet for the top commodities in Nebraska. Shabella Guzman talks with Jordan Lake about the number one county, Cumming County. The Nebraska Department of Agriculture was at the recent annual Goodmanson Sandhills Laboratory Open House, showing off their new one-page commodity profiles for Nebraska. Jordan Schlake, Ag Promotion Coordinator for the NDA, tells us more about the profile for beef 
and how they picked the top 15 counties for cattle and the number one county, which is Cumming County. So when we have these top 15 counties, so this is a statistic that comes from the USDA NAS service, the National Ag Statistics Service, and this is a combination of the cow-calf statistics and then the cattle on feed as well. So Cumming County is one of those counties that is chiefly a cattle feeding county. There is some cow-calf, absolutely, but it's uh, one of those that just has a great history and heritage of cattle feeding. Really be able to utilize all of their feed resources and certainly the ethanol industry been able to benefit not only them but uh, cattle feeding counties throughout the state um, utilizing the uh, ethanol co-products to give us a competitive advantage that other feeding states don't necessarily have. We've been talking with NDA Ag Promotion Coordinator Jordan Schlake about the organization's one-page breakdown of beef on a commodity profile. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. A man is injured with severe burns following an explosion at the Holly Frontier Refinery in El Dorado, Kansas. Media reports say a man in his 50s was taken to a hospital yesterday with second and third degree burns over 80% of his body following the explosion. The name of the victim has not been released. Get your news fast and first when you like our Facebook page in the KRVN News Center. I'm Dave Schroeder. Taking place at the Nebraska State Fair on Saturday was Elite Showmanship Competition. For the Roll Radio Network, I'm Jossie Harding. Here at the Roll Radio Network and the Nebraska Department of Agriculture helped to co-host this event. And with me are the three top placing entries from the Elite Showmanship Competition. In first place is Fina Choate. She's representing Boone County. She was also the divisional winners for the written and the sheep contest portion of it. So Fina, why don't you first start off tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so I'm from St. Edward, Nebraska. I grew up on a small farm uh, just west of uh, St. Edward. Uh, we raise all different species, and I personally bring um, hogs to the state fair, and I really enjoy that passion. So I continued my education on to UNL and hopefully continue on from there. When it comes to late showmanship competition, I know this is not the first time you've participated, so tell us a little about uh, the show that you've had so far with it. So this year is my second year doing Elite Showmanship, and um, it was a lot different going into it this year because I kind of knew what was going on, and um, I knew a lot more kids um, involved in the competition, so it made it a lot more fun because I was able to do this competition with my friends, and then uh, I was also able to relax a little bit more and have a good laugh with the judges, and so it made it easier. With the competition, I know a lot of people say the written aspect is the hardest aspect. So what does it mean for you being able to win that aspect of elite showmanship? Honestly, I, my favorite part is the written test because um, that's something that I'm really passionate about. And I'm also going to, I'm a pre-vet major right now. And so that's something that I need to know and I will be expanding my knowledge on. And so throughout my 4-H career, I've been actively involved in premier animal science events, and um, on the Quizball side, this is the kind of stuff that we're taught by our extension agent, and it's really good, useful knowledge just to know when you're in the animal industry. And then overall, you are the winner, first place. What does that mean for you? It means a lot. Like All the time I've put in with my critters and all the friendships I made all really paid off in the ring today. And I can't thank people enough that have helped me out today by letting me borrow their critters. and It was a really great experience. I highly recommend it. 
And that has been Fiona Choate. She's representing Boone County and, again, first place winner of the Elite Showmanship Competition. Also with us is Blake Gunther. He is representing Cumming County with second place overall. Blake, tell us a little about yourself. Uh, I'm from West Point, Nebraska. I grew up on a small farm just outside of West Point. Uh, our family raises cattle and hogs, and I only sh have shown hogs throughout my life. And now I am a student at the University of Nebraska at Lincoln, and I major in animal science. So why was there a reason for you to look into elite showmanship and be able to compete in it? Uh, I thought it was a really interesting competition. I always wanted to show cattle and, I guess, give it a try on the sheep. Never done it before, and I don't know. I enjoyed it. What were maybe some of the hardest aspects for you when it comes to the competition? I think the hardest part of it all was showing a sheep. I didn't realize how much work it took. It was definitely quite the workout. Now that you are second place, what are you going to be able to take away from this whole experience as you're going to move on with your college career? I think this teaches me how to handle adversity and just to really go after different things and try new things. So second place overall, what does it mean for you? Uh, it means a lot. I'm happy with it. I think it's a lot better than I expected to do, but yeah, it was fun. We've been talking with Blake Gunther. He is representing Cumming County with second place overall for Elite Showmanship. And then also with me now is Jennifer Tidwell. She is representing Douglas Sarpy County and was a third place for Elite Showmanship. So Jennifer, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Well, I'm Jennifer Tidwell. I'm 17 years old and I actually have grown up in Omaha, which is kind of interesting. Not really a place to keep a sheep or a cow or anything like that. I do have chickens, but that's not really part of the elite competition. Um, so instead I lease from families and farms in like Bellevue and Gretna and Springfield and all those areas, um, which is really fun. Yeah. When it comes to your FFA or 4-H career, what does that look like for you? Um, I think it, it might be my whole life. I don't know. It's pretty much become my life and I'm excited to once I'm out and I've done all that I can to try and give back. I mean already when I'm not boastful but when I've gotten as high as I can then I try to make sure I give back because the only way I got there was through others doing the same thing. So, Being from the Omaha area why was livestock maybe an interest to you? I've always been a country girl in the city. My family, my mom, she's always wanted horses and we've always done that. I've always grown up with animals and I've always been in the static barn but I just loved watching the sheep and the cows and all them and so I just knew it's what I wanted to do and a few years ago I jumped in and jumped in heavy. So. What does it mean for you being third place overall for the 2017 Elite Showmanship competition? It means a lot. It's really exciting. I, I was actually a little confused about what the competition was and so I asked one of um, the girls in our clubs, and she did it, and she actually got second place overall. So she explained it, and that really kind of motivated me, and I, it made it seem possible. So I went for it. And that has been Jennifer Tidwell. She's third place overall for Elite Showmanship Competition. She's been representing Douglas Sarpy County. I'm Jesse Harding on the Rural Radio Network. Our closing livestock futures report. Joe Teal of Great Plains Commodity is on the line with us. Joe, uh, some pressure coming in the feeders. Hogs, though, having a real nice day today. Yeah, hogs had a really, uh, real good day. Uh, of course, uh, cash was uh, steady, maybe a little bit higher even today. And considering their discount to uh, the actual index, which has come down, 
uh, we're seeing uh, a continuation of the narrowing of that uh, discount and uh, pretty good uh, with the cutouts a little bit higher and the cash being a little bit firmer. Boy, that really helped. And uh, we're catching, I think, a few uh, uh, on the bearish side that uh, probably have overdone it. So pretty good day. Uh, Triple-digit gains pretty much right through the uh, entire contracts. Not so in the cattle. The cattle finishing mixed uh, with the uh, nearbys a little bit lower, the back end a little bit higher, and feeders uh, lower. So we had a kind of a mixed bag there. And I think a lot of disappointment over uh, last week's cash trade and nothing uh, going on today. Cutouts were higher today at noon, but uh, uh, still a little light on the boxes, so that didn't really uh, help. It gave us a little bit of a rally in the uh, middle part of the session, but uh, and then as we came into the close, uh, we saw a little bit more pressure uh, in the market. As I think we're going through uh, some further liquidation there. And uh, concern over uh, uh, higher uh, grain prices, uh, I think, affecting uh, the uh, feeder cattle. Joe Teal from Great Plains Commodities. Give him a call, 800-328-0134. This is the Rural Radio Network. Words like sustainability, natural, GMO-free, and locally grown have become common in the grocery store. But what is the importance of those words, and how does that impact the agriculture industry? For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskett. An upcoming event happening on the campus of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln will answer those questions and more. The event is called Food Dialogues Nebraska, pivoting the GMO conversation. Here to talk more about the event is Randy Crutz, CEO of the U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance, the organization hosting the event. Randy, let's talk about why the event is happening. We, for, uh, for our seven years of existence, the U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance has focused on hearing all sides of the conversation on some difficult issues, whether it's about GMOs or how we farm in general and the misunderstandings and mis- misperceptions that sometimes even the general public has about how we grow and raise food. So our, our focus with the whole Food Dialogue series, and this is, I think, 30 or 31 in a series of these events, uh, is, is really to address GMOs, and we thought it was timely. We're, we're doing it in cooperation with uh, the Nebraska Soybean Board. And, you know, there's so much going on on this topic right now. We're continuing to bring new products to the marketplace that are genetically modified. The industry is. There's uh, sometimes a lot of pushback, and uh, and sometimes that pushback comes from the food industry. So we thought it was a great topic to get on campus at the University of Nebraska and get some students in the room and get some uh, uh, some real influencers uh, on a panel and talk about this issue um, and, and just vet it out. You mentioned it was going to be about GMOs, and you also mentioned that there's a panel involved. Talk about who's on the panel and specifically what you're going to do to address those issues about GMOs. You know, the... the, the our approach is to, again, hear all sides of an issue. So we really do try to balance this panel uh, with all sides of the production um, processes in agriculture, whether it's organic, uh, non-GMO, or GMO. We've also brought forward, in this particular case, a registered dietitian. Uh, we're bringing uh, forward a, a farmer uh, from Nebraska, as well as a, a, a a uh, cotton producer from Texas that actually bro- grows both organic and non-organic cotton. Uh, 
most excitingly, I think, and we've got a great panel uh, lined up. I didn't mention Daniel Nirenberg uh, from uh, Food Tank, which is an organization that, that probably for Nebraska producers, um, maybe they aren't highly aware of, uh, but food companies are. And it's, it's an organization that really does take a very hands-on approach to, to food production and may not always see food production in the same manner that those in, in modern agriculture do and how we grow and raise food. And I think, um, you know, what we feel like always is, is an organization is we want to bring the science forward in these discussions. And I think um, Danielle will help us do that. Our moderator is Scott Hamilton Kennedy. Scott is the producer director of the new documentary, Food Evolution. It's a great documentary about looking at all sides of the GMO discussion. So we thought with that panel in place uh, that we really had a shot at having a very broad discussion. And Randy, if people want to learn more information, whether they want to attend or watch online, where can they go to get that information? Actually, you can go right to fooddialogues.com. You can register to attend the event, uh, but uh, you can also stream it online. That was CEO of the U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance, Randy Krutz, talking about the upcoming Food Dialogues Nebraska, pivoting the GMO conversation. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskett. We're back to get our closing grain analysis. We're going to visit with John Payne. He's a senior market analyst, Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. He also publishes the newsletter, This Week in Grain. So, John, a positive day today. Lots of uh, good things to say about this market. Overall, commodity buying in general was was seen uh, across the board, uh, really starting the night last night. So it's a, a nice kind of tailwind for the grain markets to have. I don't think this is... Uh, very fundamental here, but uh, to see soybeans lead this thing up and meal trade on its highs here near 305, those are those are all good signs, I think, for uh, the markets that you know could could kind of bleed higher here in the next two to three weeks. Which market do you think can sustain this type of strength between corn and soybeans? Well, soybeans are probably the one that needs. That, that can go, you know, depending on who you talk to. Some some folks are feeling that their beans are still kind of susceptible to this dryness. Others fo- folks feel that it's it's kind of a done crop already. I kind of lead to the, towards the former that, uh, you know, September weather for beans still matter, and it's going to be dry up up in the northern Midwest really the next couple of weeks, given the uh, the hurricanes that are coming on to make landfall this next week. should keep a high-pressure system up here. And, uh, what that does to soybeans going into uh you know, the, the end of September is, is kind of a, a wild card right now. I think for corn, the crop's a little more, quote-unquote, made. I know there's still some risks out there, but, you know, folks are looking to sell rallies there, whereas beans, they're not quite sure what their overages are, uh, especially out east here. So shorter term here, I think beans maybe give another run-up 980, 990. But to get above that 10 handle, I think we're going to need some problems here uh, developed, and that's that's got to happen quick to the southern southern crops which uh i guess would be susceptible this this hurricane irma but uh it would be from too much moisture not not a lack thereof which is the problem we're facing up here uh cooler weather though minnesota did that have a factor on today's beans you know i I, i'd like to think that that frost scare kind of had it but i I really think this is overall broad-based commodity buying uh it's led by a couple of markets like cotton uh really china-based markets and uh you know that's kind of somebody who sits in the chair i do trying to figure out reasons why we're rallying you know, I'm looking at the hurricane coming up the, the coast of Florida there. What is that going to do to the cotton crop? Um, you know, a lot of hog hog uh, hog industry down there as well on the Carolina side. 
but I think it could be just a China problem. And China uh, is a little bit of kind of say launching a trade war is the, the wrong way to put it. But they are battling here over the North Korea sanctions uh, and what China is going to be doing. They cut off. Uh, um, they stopped buying from their reserves. So they're kind of reserving uh, the cotton side. It'll be interesting to see what they do for beans here, if they're going to step up and buy there. Um, but all in all, I mean, this is broad-based. I, I think you got to be using this rally to sell in corn and wheat if you get a chance here in the next 20 cents. John Payne with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. You can go to danielzagmarketing.com to give John a call. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.